That, that of course, is a very famous uh, song we're opening up with, Miserloo. You may have seen how Pulp Fiction uh, started off with it as a real rockin' number a couple years back. Uh, two months ago or so, Leanne Hanson on Weekend Edition on NPR was talking to surf guitar legend Dick Dale about how he uh, put this tune together, and it turns out it actually has its roots in Middle Eastern music. Uh, Dick Dale is Lebanese. His his, his grand great uncles, I think, used to play it, and a very interesting story unfolded as they discussed this. I immediately thought, of course, of our good friend Gil Metavoy, whose program Crossing Continents is heard on KDVS on a weekly basis. It's a great, great program, and I was confident Gil would know something about this, and happily he's agreed to join us to discuss something about this. Welcome back to Radio Parallax, Gil Metavoy. Oh, thank you. Now, Gil, I, I was stunned to realize that a, a legend of surf... Thrasher rock has its roots in Middle Eastern music, but I guess uh, I guess these roots are deep. Yeah, it's a um, really interesting story, and if I I missed that um, show uh, on NPR that you mentioned, and but if Dick uh, um, Dale was um, you know relating his uh, side of the story, um, you know I'm sure that everybody you know that is interested already. Um, knows it, but supposedly, you know, he was challenged by a fan uh, to come up with a, you know, a rocking number that would be really amazing, but it would be done on one string, <laughs> and um, and he was kind of, you know, trying to to figure out, and then somehow he uh, he had a recollection of uh, this tune that he heard as as a young kid at a wedding or something and and the fact is that the song has became probably one of the most popular uh, tunes in um, the Middle East the Mediterranean region um, and it's it's pretty fascinating the origin um, of the song and I know that just from you know going into some musicology right. uh, notes and well, I, I got to ask you, Gil. I, I'm looking at Wikipedia's entry, and they say the song was first formed by a Rebetiko band in Athens. I, what what is that? What what is that style of music? Uh, Rebetiko is um, there's also some variations on pronunciation, but uh, well, I'm sure Rebetico, I messed it up. Uh, Rebetiko is is a good one, uh, and that even if you say it in in Greece, you know people would know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, although the P and the B, you know, in Greek kind of interchanges. Anyway, uh, the story goes that um, clearly the origin is from Smyrna, which was populated uh, before the population transferred and, or the ethnic cleansing that took uh, place between Greece and Turkey. Um, it was a sort of a large community of... Uh, Greek nationals who lived in that part of Turkey at the time. Yeah, yeah your, going back to uh, ancient times, I guess. Uh, well, that's, you know, we're talking about the 1920s. Sure. Uh, late teens, uh, early 20s, when it actually took place. And, you know, population from uh, from Turkey who were Greeks were transferred to uh, Greece mainland and uh, vice versa. Turks who were living in Greece were transferred to uh, back to the home country. I guess. Uh, and what happened, um, a lot of those people, even ones who were middle class or upper middle class, became very poor. 
and they ended up settling uh, in Greece. Uh, the Greek who came from Turkey were primarily in the port cities of um, Piraeus, uh, was a major one. Um, and a sort of a vernacular uh, music style uh, developed that um, is the Rambetico, basically, uh, with its roots in, in Smyrna. A lot of the, um, the early uh, performers of Rambetica were actually Greeks from Smyrna who uh, were moved to Greece. And, uh, and they developed this style, which is uh, sometimes referred to as a Greek blues, hmm. uh, which is really what it was. You know, it's not a scholarly, you know, taught music. It was mostly, you know, the down and trotted very much like the blues in this country, how it developed. Uh, people that were, you know, not highly educated, but, you know, music was their passion. And they decided to tell their story, to tell about their life uh, through music. Uh, so this is the, the beginning, the merging of uh, Rembetico and how it started. So the story with uh, Miserlou, the way it was referred by some sources that I read was um, probably the, the, the composer. Um, there was one reference to, uh, as you mentioned, <coughs> um, a group that was led by Michalis Patronis. Okay. So he was a band leader, um, Greek from Smyrna, um, but he didn't put his name down on a song. Uh, some later research by a guy that I trust a lot, and I have um, some of his uh, recordings. He's one of the uh, most uh, astute kind of collectors of uh, vernacular music, mostly from that period. And he claims that there is a recording which I've never heard, uh, but I trust him. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Richard Spotswood. And, um, and there's some books that he wrote about the earliest recordings. And he mentioned a guy by the name of uh, Tetos Demetriadis, uh, who recorded supposedly for the Victor label back in um, 1927. So it's really between those two, you know, that that's how one of them composed the song. I, I, I'm kind of unclear reading this on Wikipedia. They say that the song's original melody has been popular for so long now that people from Morocco to Iraq claim it as a folk song from their own country. <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, some, you know, some countries kind of like to do that, you know, especially in music fans, you know, it's sort of a national kind of fervor, you know, because it's, it's so widespread, it became so popular um, that, you know, I mean, it really spread all over the region. And and the melody itself is is really catchy, so it's it's really obvious why um, people really like it. Yeah. And um, and that's the story that I know of as you know the origins for the song. Well, when you heard it for the first time, I mean, apparently it it, it became known to Americans when the Beach Boys took a version of it for their 1963 album Surf in USA. Uh, right. so I'm kind of curious, when you heard it for the first time, did you think, hey, I know that song? Uh, I definitely did. I mean, at the time, I was, I was too young, so I, I missed the whole, you know, Beach Boys and Dick Dale mm -hmm. uh, versions, which I heard later. 
Um, but there were at least two or three versions that uh, growing up in Israel that I heard over the radio. Um, so I, you know, I wasn't aware of those versions from the 60s uh, until later on. Yeah, well, Gil, I'm looking at it again. It mentions that uh, it, it, this Greek song is now popular in, 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 in Rebetico, in belly dancing, Jewish klezmer, it says, American surf rock, and international orchestral easy listening, which is, I, I can't think of any other tune that would fit that criteria. Can you? No, it's, it's really, I mean, and that's the funny part, that it's, um, you know, it's really a Greek, Middle Eastern flavored tune, which is really, I think, the only one that had such a wide spread. Uh, and you can find it in so many different music genres. Well, Gil, we appreciate your educating us on this matter. I want to I want to point out to listeners, perhaps some new listeners, because we're of course heard in KZFR and Chico as well, that uh, your your program, Crossing Continents, is something they should tune into. And, and when, when are you currently on? It's Saturday, four to seven. Saturday, four to seven. I know that a lot of people are, people are going to want to tune in, uh, and and I certainly do enjoy tuning in when I can, Gil. It's a great show, and I hope you'll keep it up. Thank you. And thanks for calling, and I'm happy to share that information. Well, it's we're really glad you... a funny one. All right, thank you for that. All right, take care. Okay. I'd like to do obituaries in the third segment of this program, and of course, at the end of the year, if not the end of the decade, there's a lot of people we should have touched on but didn't. Owing to time constraints, we're only going to be able to just mention a couple. I want to note the passing of journalist Edwin Newman, who died last August at age 91. He was always a, a very sophisticated presence on, on NBC News and wrote a couple pretty good books about the English language. I wanted to quote from them, but, but have been unable to find my copies of the books. But when I do, we'll pay a visit to Edwin Newman and his legacy sometime in 2011. If I can't find them, I'll buy fresh copies. Producer-director Blake Edwards, who gave us, among other things, the uh, Pink Panther series of movies is somebody we should talk about. I hope in the year to come I will be able to bring to you someone whom I knew as a small child briefly. She was a friend of my uncle's, uh, a movie starlet who appeared in some of Blake Edwards' productions. That's all I'm going to say right now, but I'm going to see what I can do uh, in the year to come. She has a memorable scene with uh, Peter Sellers in the first Pink Panther film that I think would be fun to talk about. Noted publishing weasel Bob Guccione passed away without a note on this program. We probably should say a word or two about him. But I can't think of one right now. But uh, Don Meredith, he of Monday Night Football fame, I think deserves a sentence or two on today's program. Don Meredith was a candidate for Radio Parallax's favorite Texan, which, which is a pretty small list. Meredith was part of the original team on Monday Night Football, which was, which was he, Howard Cosell, and Keith Jackson. Keith Jackson was replaced by Frank Gifford the next year, and they had, I don't know, a couple-decade run of... Uh, some memorable broadcasting. Cosell made a career out of being obnoxious. Frank Gifford was and is always smooth and polished, but Don Meredith added that certain uh, uh, country leavening to the whole proceedings that I think made it work. 
There was a moment in an early broadcast when a camera panning over the stands uh, picked up a Houston Oilers fan, uh, dejected over the fact that the Oakland Raiders were beating up on the Oilers. He looked up to the camera and raised his third finger. They didn't know what to say in the broadcast booth. Till Meredith piped in and said, Howard, he thinks they're number one in the nation. Because Meredith, whose trademark was bursting into song, Willie Nelson's The Party's Over, as in Turn Out the Lights, The Party's Over, when the game's outcast was pretty much determined. Don Meredith always had a turn of phrase that seemed to capture the national attention. He was the guy that would say things like, Stick a fork in it. They're done. My personal favorite, I remember when he said this, it's now entered the language, he talked about near the end of the game when things were getting desperate, when you would just put a pass up. He said, we used to call it a Hail Mary. You just put it up and pray. I think that phrase was enshrined in the American language by the next morning. Don Meredith, a most amusing character, and we're sorry to see that he's gone. That about does it for today's program. Our thanks to friends old and new. Matt Perry, Gary Chu, George Sellu, and Gil Metavoy, and of course, our old friend, Will Durst. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week at the same time in a new year. And Happy New Year to all of you.